In any community, it's important that we take the time to check in with ourselves and others to make creating the change we want sustainable for ourselves. In this episode, I'm talking to Matt, who has helped so many people at the Villa Vida do just that. We discuss his poetry, the importance of creating your own identity independent of collective cultures, knowing yourself enough to know who you aren't, and our infinite capacity for love. So let's get started since we're starting a little bit late, 10 minutes late. Um, thanks so much for your patience. All good. Thanks You're not allowed to be on time in an alternate universe. Yeah, I'm never on time to anything. So for this, like during the internships here, I was like, no, I can't play. <laughs> Come like 10 minutes before, 15 minutes before, like can't play around. Somebody told you about that cultural kind of thing? Here. I mean, yeah, I knew I was aware of it here. I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but when it came to you, I was like, I, you care. care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay. So, first of all, thank you so much. It, you're, I'm going to miss you so much when you go back to the States. Um, who are you? What is your name? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. I, I don't think I'm going back to the States, but... Um, I don't think I'm staying in Vienna. Okay. <laughs> but I don't think the U.S. ain't it right now for me. Um, Definitely not Florida. No, no, no. That would be an adventure. Yeah. In a bad way. That would be like s- swimming back to Cuba or yeah. something. I don't know. Like, I don't know. That's not, <laughs> not really a great metaphor, but. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, my name is Matthew, and. Um, yeah, uh, where to begin on that? Um, I just finished my master's degree in psychology with an emphasis in counseling, and I'm from Miami, Florida. I'm half Cuban and half Colombian, my family. And uh, I moved here about three years ago to do the degree. I am a dance instructor, and um, I incorporate meditation into the Zumba classes and a little bit of dance therapy techniques. And um, yeah, I'm interested in holistic psychology, holistic healing in general, taking different forms of alternative medicines and um, deviating from solely talk therapy. So I want to incorporate all of that. That's my goal really at the end of the day. And um, yeah, incorporate music, dance, art, and and group therapy was something that was emphasized uh, these last months in the internship here at Villa Vida because I had some experience already, like I told you before, in class only, but um, the practical experience of that here, I tried to run it like group therapy, just for experimentation purposes, and um, to keep also that professional boundary, you know, I wanted a casual, but at the same time was like, like, still creating those boundaries, you know, where I'm not like someone, I'm just kind of the person who's facilitating, but being that I loved it so much I really love group therapy and especially for like the LGBTQ community or like even for like foster care children something like specialized groups you know not just like I don't think I would do I don't think I would do anything in the clinical setting dealing with like bipolar groups or like this group or I think I would just want to do like communal spaces um, yeah I think so to deviate from the more scientific route you know so what was your degree in? 
psychology with an emphasis in counseling. Yeah. Right. And you were an intern here at Villa Vida. Yes. And you did um, these group discussions, sort of like uh, circles where people could talk with each other. Can you talk a little bit about like what came up and what your intention was for those groups? Yeah. So um, my intentions were to explore different facets of one's uh, profile, their psychological profile. So that included specifically here, that includes identity is a big part of that and sexuality is a big part of that community, interpersonal relationships, healthy boundaries, um, and also finding tools within yourself, which we didn't really get into the practical aspect of that. It was more people, which still came out beautiful. It was more people kind of just like bouncing off their own opinions and their own livelihoods, their own experiences. And then there was a little bit of debate. There was, there was not so much conflict. Um, there were a little bit of disagreements, but it was still very lighthearted in that sense. My intentions behind that was really just to create a safe space for people to talk about their life and their experiences. Um, I, I got the feeling that a lot of people who did come, they didn't have that or they, they were looking for that. And, um, and, and those were the people who were the most talkative, interestingly, than the people who were a little bit more like just curious and they were a bit more silent. Those people, they, they really just wanted to vent. They just wanted to express something that maybe they didn't have the friends or the community to do it with, to do it, yeah, to do it with. And so, you know, honestly, Villa Vida offers that already naturally, like in all the events that you do and the parties and just the space itself. But I think this was, um, I think the intention behind it was coming from a more professional, mm -hmm. like, I don't know if professional is the right word, but formal or like, you know, you have like discussion panels and things like that, right? But it's not as like interactive with the mm -hmm. audience, right? It's like people, experts talking and things like that, right? But I think this was just like whoever you are, just whatever opinion, whatever experience, you're likely queer who's coming, yeah? And just, you're just gonna um, share, share your experience and you're gonna empathize with others and you're, you're gonna find a lot of, um, you know, healing involved in that because you, for someone who thought like your thought or your experience was just was was, was its own in its own island like you realize that you know you're not alone and did anything unexpected come out of that for you that you just you didn't think that maybe this was going to come out for someone or someone was going to walk away with with this effect did any of that happen for you hmm. um i i don't think there was any like revelation moment but I think emotionally yes I didn't I don't think I could have really expected what was gonna unfold but there were a couple people who cried and there was a couple people who like said very intimate and personal things and you know the setting is didn't call for that that was on them there was nothing about confidentiality involved mm -hmm. and and also like it's not even a reoccurring thing that we're gonna keep seeing each other or or all of like the the, the practical figments of a, a clinical or therapeutic setting whereas one would feel more comfortable to disclose such things they did it anyways here and I, I of course I would want them to be to say that but I there were like two three or two people who were bawling like mm -hmm. in front of everyone and then someone else started like it was like a chain reaction mm -hmm. and also that's the thing I love about group therapy it's like not to like superficialize it but it almost feels like you're watching a movie unfold right and I'm still part of that, but it's beautiful because, like, 
it's like everyone's own little like not little but their own dramatic like comedic and ensemble of all these different genres of their life mm -hmm. you know and, and so one person starts crying and says something about their religious trauma with their family or something and the other person's like you know they share their part and they get emotional and then mm -hmm. i'm just like wow there's like some fireworks happening here mm -hmm. you know in the in a <laughs> you know when you reach a breakthrough it's a good thing but it's also a negative thing because because it's it's very invasive mm -hmm. so um that to me were were beautiful moments i don't think i really expected that concept wise um not really like i don't think so um i think that the like doing my research in, in the psychology program, I think like I have a clear or a good grasp on like where people tend to fault in their boundaries and, and, and a lot of like limitations in, in, their, in their conflict or where trauma kind of how it manifests in life and things of that nature. When it came to the abstract aspect of concepts like identity and sexuality, no, because mom already so fluid in that, like that, you can't really surprise me in that, like you can, like, anything goes in that sense, for, mm -hmm. and everyone had so many opinions about identity and sexuality, you know, like just, uh, oh, one thing actually, <laughs> <laughs> you remembered, <laughs> one thing, yes, I, like, for some reason, I, I, I really liked, and I think it did bring something into light for me, where people's talked about queerness rather than sexuality and queer culture and how that's like kind of all-encompassing of so many different aspects gender expression you know what you wear how you speak how you present uh, um, but for some reason I think I still had like I didn't necessarily believe that but I didn't really affiliate so well with queer culture my affiliation with queer culture was more coming from a place of sexuality you know which that to me never really made sense because mm -hmm. I don't really like I've never really like emphasized my sexuality one because it's private to me and also two because also trauma and also a couple other things but but for me it never felt like I'm not queer because of my sexuality I just like this you know but what is queerness then to me and hearing people's different understanding of their own queerness it was so relative that it was some it was very comforting for me because I was like okay queerness is like this idea you know it's like this it's like this, uh, it's not this like black sheep mentality. It's, 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 it's so much more bigger and special than that. It's like, this, like, it's just a deviation from the norm, which can be anything. Anything is queerness. Like, you know what I <laughs> Everything mean? is queer. Everything is queer. Everybody's queer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, queerness does have this kind of distinct starting point, which is around gender identity sexuality, sexuality and politicization and I think that that's the thing um, that has really kind of caught me off guard about queerness being now or the way that people are using it in the lexicon is that they mean LGBTQIA+. Yeah. That's what they mean. Yeah. But when queerness first started being used it had a very distinct political um, underpinning which was around radical politics mm -hmm. it wasn't like oh everything about me is normal except for my sexuality or my gender identity it's like no <laughs> like I reject normalcy yeah. I reject this kind of idea of patriarchy and 
um, heterosexuality as the starting point that we all have to sort of like measure ourselves yeah. by or the measuring stick. Mm-hmm. Queer is in fuck you. Like yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that level yeah. of radical politicization. Right, right, right. So you wouldn't like pinpoint it down to just sexuality or gender identity. Like, I would say that that's the starting point. That's is that like the umbrella, cur- though? That is, that is definitely the umbrella. I mean, like, n- as, as the alphabet mafia has gotten bigger, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's so much easier to say um, queer than it is to say LGBTQIA+. Plus, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I understand that that's why people are choosing to see, say it queer as mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But the thing that I would like people, or I always try to remind people... And why there's queer all over so many of my projects, you know, there's Villa Vida, the Queer Community Cafe, there's this podcast, The Queer Truth, right? And you have to realize I started that 10 years ago, mm-hmm. right? When no one was saying queer. And the reason why that, that has always been an important term for me was because of the political implications of the term. Yeah. Um, okay. That, yes you know, I am queer with regards to my sexuality, mm-hmm. but I'm also queer with regards to my politicization. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So. Okay. Can you like, oh, should I interview you? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just like elaborate a little bit more on the politicization though? Like what would be a, like, what would be some attributes that you would say specifically that like, okay, like let's say like I'm like fuck the patriarchy, mm-hmm. I'm a feminist, Let's say like I like hit a couple of attributes that mm-hmm. you assign to that, but I'm straight. Would I not be queer? It is like the starting point is sexuality. Like how the starting point is sexuality. sexuality, and then everything else aligns politically, and then you and say then everything queer. else aligns politically. When when queer as a term started being used, it was kind of as this um, counterculture term, in in the sense of like there was this big push for oh we're just like you. Right? So there was this big PR campaign that was all about marriage equality, that was all about trying to convince mainstream society that we weren't threatening and that, you know, we were brothers, sisters, cousins, uncles, and and, and to get certain rights pushed through for a certain segment of the population that could access those rights. The reason I gravitate towards queer is because I've never been a part of that segment of the population. Um, and there are many people that aren't and that I'm much more politically aligned with that I wanted to be represented or I want to, to signify that I'm representing in my politicization. Yeah, yeah, I get you. It's like this, like, we don't want to be we don't want to be like them. Like that, that agenda or that message is kind of deterring away from the fact that, that there's something wrong for being different. Exactly. Right? And like, but that, that's what I don't understand when it comes to queerness. It's like, it's queerness just diverse, like it's different, you know? It's like, because I, I do understand that it starts from a sexuality point. Or gender identity or point. Or gender yeah. identity point. I'm just like, I'm more curious about like all the other aspects that are around queerness besides mm-hmm. those two things, because those two things are quite obvious for me. I mean, with, the way I see that is that that identity can be a point of um, interrogation of all of these other kind of like political ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way that I see it. Yeah. 
But like for you about being like, I want to come back to that point about you being private. Oh my God, my mom would have loved that. <laughs> I have to say, my mom would have been like so happy if I was just kind of like bisexual on Wednesdays from two to five and only <laughs> privately. Right. Like my mom would have absolutely loved that. Yeah. What where, 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 where did that impulse come for you that, okay, I'm over here and my sexuality is over there yeah, yeah. and no one needs to know about that. That's just me and me alone. Yeah. I think that I think that, that comes from a place of obviously suppression, you know, growing up and and me just coming into terms really with my sexuality just within the past, when I went to college when, uh, like six years ago for my undergrad, um, and really started exploring that side of me and really started coming to terms with that side of me So but at that point it was like something that Like I do take pride in my sexuality and 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 I do take I take pride in just myself in general And I have no guilt for it or anything like that. So right now it doesn't really come from a point of suppression I think starting point it came from a place of suppression definitely now it's habit now It's no and now it's more like I, I, I I'm like it's gonna sound pretentious, but I, I just I'm more amused with the idea of having such an expansive identity and not really like allowing one thing to define me. I know that sounds very blah blah blah. But this is where I always teach you about <laughs> I know. Mess of it all. The I, love I know, it. <laughs> I know, I know how it sounds. But but that is how I emotionally and spiritually feel. Mm. And, you know, and I just it's difficult for me to I mean I'm moving I'm 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 living in Vienna, like I'm trying to move to another country, you know, I'm I like women and I like men I like you know I, sometimes I'm masculine sometimes I'm feminine or in between or whatever I, I, I don't I, I really do just like to have this diversification of identity and for me like yes I am bisexual that is not diversification it is that right but it's more like I, 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 I don't know I never really like felt like oh I'm bisexual so this means like place me in this like entire, I don't know, set of like personalities and people and places and this and that. And it's just like, I don't want to be boxed into, you know, I think that this is this generational thing that we kind of come up <laughs> against around like the purpose of identity and the uses of identity. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that we talked about before in our previous discussion was that I see a lot of people coming to me or younger people specifically coming to me and saying, well, identity is this thing that is confining, that is limiting. Yeah. And I don't want to put a stamp on me that says, okay, I'm this, yeah. and then have people dump their preconceived yeah. notions right. of what that is on me. Yeah. But for my generation, when, you know, like, <sighs> you know, many of us died, right? I'm not, I'm not being hyperbolic. When yeah. I say this, a whole generation of men my age are now dead. Mm -hmm. And 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 for for me as a woman, like there were not a lot of sites of safety. Mm -hmm. The identity was this portal to freedom. The identity was this place where I could say, "Oh, okay, now if I hang out with other queer women, yeah. All of a sudden, I can be fully myself. Right. I can be fully myself. Not, okay, now I'm going to be limited to who these queer women think I am, but right. more so, I can now express myself as I really am yeah. and as I fully am. Yeah. Where it was, 
if no one knows because I'm in the closet or because I'm in a place where I don't have the safety to speak about by be, being uh, queer, for example, yeah. that um, was the was the lack of freedom for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I understand that that's just coming from us coming from very different moments in history. I was gonna say, like, I think what came to mind as you're saying this that I think with the introduction of like I'm a social media baby, I'm an internet baby. Yeah. My, our generation is that, and what we're seeing online is like is basically just a. a overflow or, or just a, really a lot of abundancy of uh, information and and through that lens we're seeing such like a vast array of personality of identity of who you can be of what you can do of like who you are essentially you know and I think that maybe perhaps it before for you it was like you had only select options and those select options were like opening an entire portal into something new whereas the portal itself i think for my generation is like everything is everything yeah, yeah exactly and it's overwhelming mind you and there is probably the thing is that one can argue that there's an identity crisis but at the same time i think that's the whole thing it's like deconstructing what identity is but i have to say in the group like when we talked about identity there they made some good points about how like there's nothing wrong with identity or identity is a, like what you were saying is a way to orient yourself in this world, right? And and I I understood that. I still live. I'm queer. Like I still, mm-hmm. I still all the time identify myself as things American, Latino, like whatever it is, a dancer, and all of that comes with its, you know. So people are hypocritical because they pick and choose when they want their identity to be convenient for them, and you know all that stuff. But I think when I see that personally, it's more coming from a place of my own discomfort of like. Yeah, of what I just said, yeah. <laughs> of that. I think it's spiritually, it's like I just, I feel multidimensional. And so yeah. it's like, you know, I also like the idea of just continuously identifying also feels like some level of separation as well. To some extent, I think underlying, you know, like us versus them kind of thing, mm-hmm. which it is societally, politically, obviously, there are, is still that. But I think like the, underlying principle of that spiritually is rubs off on me wrong so it's like yeah you know i don't i like this you like that period like sexuality wise queerness wise is perhaps something different than i would say since we're just talking about how queerness is (laughs) am i rambling here (laughs) but i also want to get back to you almost making me cry i feel like there's some sort of (laughs) something got the juju going on the come cry now (laughs) i'm usually the one making people cry because as i i I like to joke that as a barista and a bartender i'm a double threat so like people come whether they're they're drinking or not they're just like so life story let's go like (laughs) part one two three four five and then they're crying skip the small talk skip the small talk about at night (laughs) oh my god (laughs) it's a lot but i wanted to um get to your book um so you had mentioned in passing like when we were getting to know each other that you were a poet um but then when this book happened i was you know i was a bit surprised and you were like well can i do the launch can i do the book reading i was like of course definitely (laughs) like you have to i'm just 
like, you know, like a lot of us, because uh, I'm a poet as well, but like a lot, like, now that's where I get really private. <laughs> there are many, there, yeah, sure. There, there are many of my poems or most of my poems no yeah. one will ever, ever read. Yeah. Um, but for you to be like, yes, and I wrote, like, I did the book and I did the editing and I bound it and boom, boom, boom. Yeah, not going to wait around for some publisher. Eyes drawn and hallucinating. Yes. What inspired you to do that? Well, my first poetry book that I released was Eyes Closed and Traveling. And it's an ode to really um, imagination and uh, creativity with limitation um, of the mind of being a human being. Um, and meditation, essentially. You know, um, Your eyes can be closed or you can... Be unaware to some extent, but you can still. But that's the first book. This book was an ode to that as well, and um, I wanted to keep it within the same theme, I guess you can say. But this one was more like now I'm more conscious of the things that are happening around me, um, because I'm I'm willfully, uh, to some extent, uh, curating these energies in my life. Um, sometimes unconscious, sometimes not. But Eyes Drawn insinuates that, you know, you're an artist of your own being, essentially, you know, and hallucinating because it's uh, a lot of the things that I reference or talk about are quite surreal. And my experiences of how I explain my experiences in a, in a linguistic sense tends to be a bit more like what I was telling, I forgot your name, I'm sorry. Michaela. Uh, Michaela, yeah. Um, that I, it resonates more with me when I explain things like at least in the written form things that are personal to me and vulnerable in the abstract form um create some like cryptic language some mystery so that's the hallucinating aspect you know and seeing an, uh, an object in front of you and, and there's some transcendentalism in that as well um so i know i'm kind of going all over the place but for instance you look at a piece of leaf and that piece of leaf is a mirror for your life or you know for your queer identity or um just simple objects in place simple simple moments, simple experiences um, that are drawn right in front of you through life or through your own conscious efforts or unconscious and it creates a, a, an entire ensemble of your reality and your reality essentially is your own hallucination. Not that it's not real, but it's your own private interpretation of how things are unfolding around you, I would say. I, I, I didn't know you would want to talk about the book, actually. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, I have to, like, talk your things because uh, I couldn't find the page numbers. Oh, yeah, I, I, oh, that, um... Is that on you. purpose? No, I ordered accidentally, like, 50 copies, and they didn't have the page numbers, so I was like, screw this, you know. <laughs> I'm not waiting for page numbers. Nah. <laughs> I was like, you're going to get what you get. You just enjoy the book. You don't need the page numbers. There's, like, 50 pages. You're fine. <laughs> So, um... I don't talk can, about queerness, though, in this book, really. No, I, I, I noticed. <laughs> but I want you to read that poem. Okay. How did I know you would... <laughs> Why? I knew... No, I, I just had what? a feeling. Intuitively, I promise you. <laughs> I promise you. I had a feeling. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, when I gave the book, I was like, she's going to focus on this one. She's gonna, she's I gonna like this one. Ones. She's gonna, I don't know if she's gonna like it or hate it or something, but she's gonna, she's gonna probably ask me about it. She's gonna, something about it. I think this it's world. a good jump off point, but okay. definitely okay. I want you to read that poem. Okay. So they took a census today. 
Yesterday I lived two do doors down from laughter. Grandma on a roller coaster, 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 grandma on a roller coaster. I had to keep myself reminded, foolishly, frantically, for five minutes while searching for a pen to write it down. I was afraid of losing the thought, fearful of abandoning the comedic spark. What would happen if I let the journalistic horrors sway my probably toxic positivity that I convinced myself of sometimes? I couldn't take the chance. Tomorrow I'll be three streets aside a tyrant. Crushed bones in Haiti, crushed bones in Haiti, crushed bones in Haiti, crushed bones in Haiti, crushed bones in Haiti. I sat on the Atlantic and waited for those bodies to emerge. And unlike our patriotic outcry, my idea of social action was to mourn my own detachment. I recall the social media frenzy about Caribbean bodies turned up ambitious and sour. Ones that dreamt to make a home out of double standards, a home that would seldom feel like shelter. I sat and watched what seemed to be the only real country, and the thought of more bodies kept me colored, discolored. Even to me, colored, recolored, homes would hardly feel permanent either. An axiom of suffering unveils when our fantasies stare back at us. I am a victimless bystander in an experiment that is somehow the noise of insufferable conversation. I hear talks about escape and posts about finer lives, all among crushed, discolored, and uncovered skin and bone. Today they take a census. The man dancing in the front row, the man dancing in the front row, the man dancing in the front row, the man dancing in the front row. I search deep to remodel the emotional martyrdom at stake. It felt like I didn't have the right to comment on poverty or communism or freedom. I slept in boxes with guilty ventilation systems. I polished the global stage with a passport sold on black markets. Maybe I could talk about my double identity and triple standards. American, American enough. Latino, not quite. Austrian, too exotic for the likes of me. Maybe I should wage an oppression war so that I don't remiss on privileges pressed over my sinful shoulders. Maybe, instead, I'll just keep myself reminded of beautiful things and hope that if I cast a beautiful net, I'd catch only beauty. Maybe. Today, they took a census today, and they counted only what remained. Did you like this one? I did like it. Thank you. Yeah, I had a feeling you would. Yeah. So, questions <laughs> on this one then? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, one of the things that I thought about when I read that poem is that, like, I think it definitely um, reflects a lot of what we spoke about with regards to our internal philosophies about, like, how we engage with the outside world. Yeah. Um, yeah. and everything yeah. for example you're going back to Florida mm -mm. Mm -mm. I'm sorry you're from Florida yes <laughs> <laughs> you're just like going back you're just like mm. <laughs> I no no you're from Florida yes your family's there I'm a Florida there. man yes right <laughs> Florida is now but Miami's not Florida let's get that right let's get that straight yeah Miami's not Florida Miami right yeah just in the same way that Vienna is not Austria right, right? exactly exactly but right now, Florida is the epicenter of anti-trans, mm -hmm. anti-gay, yeah. anti-black legislation. Yeah. Um, and how do you engage with that? Like how, like, especially given that so much of your work is focused on psychological well-being yeah. and holistic well-being, yeah. how does one engage in a hostile environment while maintaining 
yeah. that well-being. It's interesting though because when getting this internship, I like kind of came more into terms with the fact that I'm not really active politically, socially, you know, in that sense, like social activism and whatnot. And I think it's not that I never had an issue with it or I never wanted to do something about it. It was just more coming from a place where I felt like I also need to protect my own. And doing that was coming from a place where I know my strengths are, which is psychology. So I was like, how can I give back to the community and those from that lens? So I, that's just maybe a little bit of a side note because I did become a little insecure here on that note. Cause I was like, shit, I'm like, not really like, especially like here, the presence of it is so powerful. You know, it's like, you guys are getting shit done. You guys are like uh, <laughs> revolting against the, you know, the conservative douchebags here and whatnot. And, and like making statements, powerful social statements, public statements with just your existence and what you do. And I was just like, I, I, I don't know. How, I don't know how to go about that externally and socially because it just doesn't. For me, it feels like a little volatile and hostile. And I've dealt with things in my life where I'm like, I, I try to ameliorate conflict to the best of my ability. And my way of doing that, my armor, my my weapons of doing that, to my belief, is 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 more so working on an individual level with that person and having and and you know if they want to do that like tell me your sufferings and then cry about it and then go out and then protest about it you know and like okay that's beautiful but as far as my externalization of that like that's as far as it goes really going back to florida like for instance how i deal with that i think i'm too busy dealing trying to like balance out the dynamics of my family then even like even curate the idea of of how i'm going to maneuver policy wise um you know i often think about too if i were to go back to the states like right now in my life i'm like how can i even give how can i give back you know socially um with my career you know i i've worked towards something in a job it's like am i i think i want to aspire to actually make a change as cliche as that sounds but you know i'm 24 and i just got my degree and like now it's like career wise what what the fuck am I going to do? Who am I going to be in that lens, you know? And I often think, like, damn, if I went back to Florida, like, could I? Could I? Like, what could I do? Could I make a change? Could I, like, but, but from what perspective, psychologically? From what perspective, therapeutically? I, 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 that's where my roadblock is. And that's why I really don't step any more into that rather than just social activism on Instagram or something. <laughs> but protest and all that stuff, like, I never, never really felt a calling to it, I guess, as selfish as it sounds, but it just didn't, it felt like I could be a better service elsewhere, I guess you can say, you know? Giving back here to the community was, felt like something that was meaningful in itself, you know? I don't know, but... Maybe. And very directly of service as well. So you'd like to see an impact happen right away. And in some ways, activism mm. feels like too much of an abstract action to take while mm. also causing a lot of psychological anguish. That's an interesting perspective. I didn't think of it like in the immediate sense like that. Um, but that could possibly be it. Yeah, the abstract sense, it's confusing, you know, I mean, like there is one cynical aspect of me it's like am I really making a difference you know and I think that's a little bit behind everyone's mind regardless like if they do it or not you know they should do it because I do believe in principle you know 
you are you do make a difference. But in principle, is that enough to enact action for me? <laughs> it's one. It's another. It's another. Another thing. Um, but yeah, I would say that's that is the case. Yes, that is very much the case. Otherwise, like for instance, what would you say? How can you integrate what I study, what I do, what my ambitions of what I said I want to do with social action? Like, besides like informing or advising like like government or lawmakers from my perspective, like that's what I would think. But what do you? What would you say? How one would integrate that? Mm. I'm going to answer that with a story. So when I lived in North Carolina, the last job I had was working for Student Action with Farm Workers, where we um, basically worked around organizing farm workers in North and South Carolina and amongst any potential issue they would have. So we worked with labor rights organizations, uh, immigration organizations, uh, child welfare organizations, and so on and so yeah. forth. Like, there's yeah. so many issues. Yeah. And one of the things that was impressed upon me is that when you're dealing with vulnerable communities, there is not one skill that you have that would go untapped. Yeah. Like, literally. Mm. I can cook. Yeah. We need mm. that. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, uh, I know how to take care of kids. We need that. Yeah. You know, Uh, I know uh, I'm a a doctor. We need that, you know. So there's the typical things and then the atypical things um, that you would need. You're dealing with people that are in a marginalized community. You're dealing with super high rates of trauma and traumatizing events. So, of course, you know, it's. But that like what sounds like what you described before was more from a volunteering perspective. Like any or from an organizational perspective, you know, yeah. or in a formal perspective. Right, in but in the, per, in the more professional, like, perspective, I would say. Not that cooking is not professional or anything like that, but I, from a... I do cook professionally. <laughs> right. And you do babysit professionally, I guess, right? You're a mother, so... <laughs> well, semi, I don't get paid for it. Oh, right. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, of course, I can do all those things. Anyone can do all those. Not anyone, but people. Like that's mm-hmm. the general consensus. If you can work with your hands, you can offer anything of service. But specifically, like if I am entering an environment where, for instance, like you said, it creates. It does create psychological psychological anguish. I don't do well with violence at all. I like freeze. And, and not that I'm saying most people do. It's just like. I would rather just not deal with those douchebags at all if mm. it were up to me, you know? And, and because I've dealt with them my whole life, if I'm being honest, family-wise, everyone around me, the whole culture around me, actually, you know? And it's just... And, and the whole, like, yelling at a wall for me is exhausting, mm-hmm. you know? If I am actually going to create change it's going to happen like i said where i know i can like where i know like i want to sit on you one-on-one am i going to go to a like a immigration shelter and do these people need someone to talk to professionally Mm -hmm. let's do that Mm -hmm. let's talk you know um but yeah i don't besides that for me like creating service in servitude from the perspective of, of interpersonal or communal therapeutic aspects does this make sense it does make sense sense. i mean this is some this is a conversation i have with my son all the time you know yeah talking about like my years of protesting on the street or 
all the kinds of activism I do, there's this intense amount of cynicism and sense that, you know, that is too small potatoes for it to make a difference. Yeah. And it's not. I mean, we just had this massive protest that happened on April 16th when the right wing was trying to shut us down because we have the drag uh, story time for children. And so people came to support us and they outnumbered the right wing folks. And the thing that they continued to talk about was the feeling that they felt how sustaining and uplifting right. it was right. for them that they never like they were able to look around and say right. okay as a queer community this is how we show up to protect each other right how important that is to see in real time yeah. not online right. i mean like and that has its purpose and i i love that and i'm a digital native and yeah. i'm chronically online i get it <laughs> right but there's something about that visceral feeling of that direct energetic connection of being with people that have your back and are willing to put their bodies in surface of having your back. That's huge. And I don't really think that we found another medium that would substitute for that. Um, And on the other hand, that does make an impression on the powers that be. Yeah. Right? A massive impression. um, Who's showing up? Who's hitting the streets? Mm -hmm. What protests are we looking at right now? Right. So, but what's the difference? Because it sounds like what you described before the emotional aspect is something you're describing that's creating a space of community, reassurance and and loyalty, commitment to that. So, what what would be the difference in like a protest of that same energy and then like hosting community events here and having that same energy? What is the nuance? What is the difference in that nuance of protest versus... I, th- I think it's about the scale. Like, we've had super powerful events, of course, but there's something about the scale of you on the street with a thousand people. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like-minded people. Yeah. I, I've been to some very historic protests. One that comes to mind for me right now was the WTO press in Seattle, the Battle of Seattle, mm-hmm. right? Um, where I didn't go to work that day and took my kid and she didn't go to school and we went and protested the w you know world trade organization um and it became this epic thing i did not know right when i chose to do that that it would become this epic thing you know i was doing that as part of um dyke action at the time was a group that i went with and we were all sitting together and then you know not that I thought it would be small, but to look around and we're next to this like migrant group, we're next to people that drove up from California for 20 hours yeah. to be there. We're, we're, we're next to um, people that were provisional workers that were like, I'm not gonna have you know, a day's worth of pay and that may make or break me, but this is so important and I'm gonna be here right now. Yeah. And I, there's something about that that words cannot express. Yeah. Um, the the willingness to, especially for people with everything to lose, to say I will sacrifice mm-hmm. because this is so important to me. Right. Right. Yeah. So do you feel like 
from my perspective, do you think I would be coming from a place of privilege, whereas I don't feel like this dire sense to take part into some, a demonstration such as? I don't know where it's coming from. I mean, like, it, it could be coming from pri privilege, but it, yeah. it's it, from what you're telling me, it's also coming from a very real place of self-preservation. Yeah. There are some people that just do not have the capacity, yeah. right, to do that. Yeah. Um, and you have the training and also I feel like you've done like a lot of self work to know kind of like what your boundaries are what your limitations are mm -hmm. and what your skills are and how you want to affect change in the world so that's who you are like I'm not like one of those activists that are like if you stay home fuck you spit on your grave <laughs> like, <laughs> we can't talk we can't be friends right. podcast is cancelled everybody <laughs> but, I, but I also do think that that's like a, a phenomenon of my generation where you have like a sense of guilt and doubt because of because you have the the sharing of information on a wide scale on the internet and it's just like there's like this I think there's this push to do more or to but, be but, more. But on the flip know? side of that, I absolutely, and this is just a personal yeah. uh, ick, my yeah. ick is virtue signaling. Mm -hmm. My ick is, oh yeah, you know, here's like the, the back back in the day there was that Kendall Jenner Pepsi commercial oh, right, yeah, right. Yeah, like yeah. that's where I see like a lot of people's activism yeah. quote, air quotes right. going you're talking um, about like when all the campaigns come out in like June and like they're quiet the rest of the year. The rest of the year, year. exactly. Okay. I'm not really interested in the virtue signaling. I don't think that helps anybody. Yeah. Um, but protesting, I believe, is part of the real work of social change yeah. and political change. I think it is necessary for the powers that be as well as the larger society to see that we refuse to bend on certain things and that yeah. we will take up space. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Um, but it's also not a requirement of everybody yeah. um, to do that because I, I do understand that it's not something that everybody can do. People are coming into this world with all manner of situations, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. In my case, I would like to explore more of that in the future. I guess I'm mm -hmm. just figuring that out right now in my life. I think like the last years and what I've really prioritized is really like, like you said, my own self-development, my own like, uh, you know, prioritizing my own well-being mm -hmm. at the end of the day. For me, that never really like reflected back into the environment around me. Mm -hmm. I guess not really. Maybe I've been in a safe bubble, but... <laughs> So you said that you might not return to Florida. No. Where are you going? No. Um, I'm thinking of going to Portugal. Okay. You speak Portuguese? No. Okay. But I will learn. <laughs> I will learn. I'm like German, but <laughs> I will learn. Um, well, I'm going to the Philippines for a couple months. Okay. First. And um, just my own little like retreat. Mm -hmm. Just kind of get away a little, quiet the mind, quiet the body, spirit, soul. And... Um, yeah, and then I'll figure it out then. Um, I'm gonna start applying for some jobs in Portugal, maybe Spain. Just try out a little something different. It's gonna be hard to say to leave Vienna. Mm -hmm. Vienna feels like home to me now. 
But uh, yeah, I'm calling something's calling out me. They call it calling out my name, like some something. Portugal is calling your name. Yeah. You, but you've been there before, right? Been, no. But you've been, oh never my been, gosh, no. I love this. I, I love that I level of wanderlust. <laughs> like I've never been there. I'm gonna never, move. Gonna move tomorrow. I love it. Never. I never came to Vienna before coming yeah, here. I knew yeah. nothing about the culture here. Actually, I just came here for the program. I just get a sense you need that sun. <laughs> Miami boy in Vienna. It's not gonna work out long term. It's true though. It's not true. long term. It's you true. did two winners. That's like two tours. No, it's true. Like I, I <laughs> two tours. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like I, my mood shifts completely in the summer, and then I'm like, I could live here. I could totally live here. I love it here. And then like fall starts coming, and You're I'm like, like why yeah. would I? Why am I here? Why for the next like three months? I'm like, <laughs> this ain't it. This ain't it. <laughs> And then you forget about winter when the sun comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Because Vienna in the summer is magical. It is magical. It's insane how beautiful and like lively everything is here in the summer. Yeah. It's really nice. I found this dress on the street. What? Like on Sunday. Oh, that's so beautiful. (laughs) That's that's how magical it is. Like people are like, you want designer clothing? I've left it on the street for you. What? Awesome. Yeah, there's like an event in every corner, music, arts, everything, you know? I, I, I don't know, I, I'll see, like, it's just a matter of job opportunity, because money is important in that sense, I have to just see, like, where I can be, be situated, and whatever opportunity comes about, you know, that can support me, fund me. Well, I have to say that you are an asset to any place and any community that you choose to be a part of. It has been our absolute pleasure and honor that you chose to kind of be of service here at yeah thank you so much it was honestly my pleasure my honor as well to be of service definitely to the queer community too you know i feel like i that is something that is very personal in my life i say it's private my sexuality but it is something that's foundational of me you know and it is something it is how i like my gaze is is tuned to a queer lens at the end of the day no matter what you know my uh spiritual abstractness would mind to say but but so it felt like I actually really gave back to the community you know it felt, and that's really at the end of the day like I, I really wanted to get into counseling to work with like LGBTQ community or very marginalized communities um, teens and, 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 and addiction populations and whatnot um, and so I actually felt like it was very meaningful you know existentially it was very purposeful I was like I wish there were more of it throughout the week. It was just like that one time, but I like it was it was fun. Also, it was just it was like also a way for me to grow and evolve in my own sense. It's like it allowed me to create like a more like stark compass of what I want in life and who I want to be. You know, because even the art therapy and all this, all the, the drama. Th- this this was all the first time I did that. You know, <laughs> I just did like research, of course, mm-hmm. throughout the week, a little bit of research on it. And of course, integrated my personality with that, but they actually went well. Like you know, even if there was just two people that that mm-hmm. session, it was like they actually you can tell we got something out of it. There was something cathartic out of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, it was it was. Thank you again for having <laughs> me. Thanks again for like giving me the platform. Also for the book as well. Like for giving me that. Your platform. your your poetry is um, amazing, and I want to. There's this quote in one of the messaging things that you yeah. put in your book. Yeah. Um, 
Love uh, should not be considered something to send and perceive. Is it not more of a state for oneself? And this question, it was a, yeah. stated as a question. This question, I think, is really just something that I see you embodying and not only sort of who you are and how you express, but your affect. Just kind of understanding that to love others is really about self and upliftment. Um, because when we allow ourselves to love others, then we, I mean, whether or not they perceive us loving them yeah. or feel us loving them or even believe that we love them, right. it's really doing more for us right. to kind of transform us on the right. inside. So right. that is something that really stuck with me as right. well. Thank you so much. That's beautiful. Yeah. I like sometimes tell strangers, you know, at the club, a long night, I'm like, I love you. And then it goes to this. I've had this happen a couple of times. They're like, you don't know me. How can you love me? And I'm like, but I do love you. You're going to tell me I don't love you. And then it goes into this whole debate. Like, yeah, okay. Okay. They're like, obviously like, <laughs> I don't love you. Like I love my mama, but you know, like, but love is, I can, you can, you can have love for anyone. You could even have love for the bigots. You don't have to respect them. You don't have to, but you can have love. Love is a state of being. It's it's more than idea. It's an existence. And you know, yeah, like you said, that's a reflection of how you orient yourself in this world and what you want to be reflected back at you. You know, if you can love like your haters, then or the bigots or the people who you know try and step on you. I don't know. Like then the love you have the capacity for is infinite essentially you know what i mean but yeah thank you so much Appreciate what is that. what is your queer truth final question what is my queer truth what is queerness no <laughs> <laughs> my queer truth <clears throat> my queer truth you know i know it sounds i don't want it to sound reductive but my queer truth is love like it all comes from a place of love at the end of the day and that's what like for me queer culture queer identity the queer like social psychological whatever it is profile of queerness for me it's coming from a place of love like love love for yourself love for others love for whoever's whatever your lifestyles whatever your journey whatever your progress is it's like we're all the same shit we're all coming from the same shit like we all get there differently we all look a little differently but at the end of the day there's always foundational and root central things that bind us all together which is love at the end of the day. So for me, that is queer. That that to me is my queer truth. I orient myself in this world with love, no matter you know. And I think that why why I relate that to queerness is because I think my queerness, my journey of queerness has shed a lot of light on that because of the suffering that I went through and because of the suppressions, because of the doubt and and self loathing and, and and a bunch of other things that a lot of people, queer people go through, like. You have to really like you. Ha you should one should flip the script, right? And 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 realize that that's all bullshit. And you know, love is the is the stabilizing force. Instead, is the motivating force of all that. So, yeah, my queer truth is love, <laughs> love, love, love. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. I really, really love talking to you. I could talk to you forever.